Every life tells a story, and through that life, an even greater story is being told. Today we're going to talk to Erin Webb. She's one of many voices of faith. Mark Matsky, host of Voices of Faith, and today it is my pleasure to have with me Aaron Webb. I've served with Aaron for almost four years at Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Zanesville, and Aaron wears two very big hats here at Trinity. One is as the director of our preschool ministry, and the other is as the overseer of our youth program. So, uh, she's got a lot of experience in a short time under her belt serving the Lord in his kingdom. And so I just want to welcome to the show Aaron Webb. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for allowing this conversation to take place <laughs> You're today. You're welcome. <laughs> very, uh, very appreciative of that. Uh, Aaron, would you just tell us a little bit as we get started about uh, your upbringing and how it helped you to know who God is? Sure. Um... I'm one of probably quite a few at Trinity Lutheran Church here in Zanesville, Ohio, that was born and raised into the church, actually uh, third generation um, into the church. So I've attended this church um, all my life, and my I was married here. My children were baptized here, and I'm sure we'll be married um, several years from now <laughs> in the same yeah. church. So I've been here my whole life. What was... Um... Were there anything in, in your childhood experience that you remember being especially, um, you know, like a moment where you felt truly the presence of God in your life? Can you trace that back to any particular moment? There's been many different moments. I don't know that I have one exact moment. Um, I would say more, not necessarily my childhood. I always felt loved in my childhood, both by my family and by my Holy Father, but I think the closest I've ever felt to Christ was actually after my father passed, it'll be four years, um, he was my best friend, and I really, when you think of something like that and you experience it, you, you think that you'll fall apart, um, even with a very strong faith, but I didn't. Um, Christ just held me in his arms, and I was teaching at the preschool at the time, and we actually had a student whose father passed away within two weeks of mine. So we shared that journey together, this little girl and I, and helped each other, and, and mutual healing took place. And ever since the, pass, the passing of my father, um, I've actually felt closer to Christ than ever. Yeah, that's one of the big fancy word for that is counterintuitive. You know, you think, as you said, that that would be, that have an absolutely devastating effect on your life, and in many emotional ways it did. But it's when we go through those times in our lives that we feel, finally, the, the arms of Christ supporting us and fulfilling all those promises. What were some uh, practices, if you will, or things that you did during that time uh, to help bring 
that to to bear in your life because it does take some uh, some digging on your part. That's a really good question. I started uh, making sure I made time for God in my life, which is something that I'm constantly um, getting off track and having to get myself back on track. But during that time, I was very vigilant. In the mornings before I came in to work at the preschool, I would pull over by the river downtown and I would read um, my portals of prayer for that morning. And then I would listen to different pastors on the radio. And it never failed to be just exactly what I needed for that day. But even more so, Christ was strengthening me by working through me because I would send out text messages every morning to my friends that were going through difficult times. I would send verses, and by doing that for them, it filled me up um, and carried me through. That's, yeah. That's a big step forward, I think, in spiritual growth is realizing that in our service to others, we're being served as well, and we're made for that. You know, the Bible tells us we're created for good works that God wants us to do, and once we're free from the thought that we're, we're earning something mm -hmm. in our status with God by doing them, then we're just free to do them. That's and so they, true. They fill us up, mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a really great insight to share sort of a related question that I have for you. I had promised no stumpers, but, <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> but this is probably, this is one that I think you will be equipped to answer. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, a lot of times in the church we use uh, the shorthand word or the term, the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that indicates a really broad sweep of things, but of course it's all centered in what Christ has done for us. And in your ministry, in my ministry, we, we interact with a lot of people who have varying understandings of themselves. All, you know, the whole spectrum from, I think I'm the greatest thing mm -hmm. ever, to I can't believe that I'm lovable by anyone. And the gospel gives any person the tools that they need to navigate life. And so I'm just wondering if you would state your understanding of the gospel and how that powers your life every day. That's a great question. My understanding of what the gospel means to me is that I have been saved through grace. Christ loved me, God loved me so much that he sent his one and only son which I can't imagine when I think of him sending his child, which I have two children, to sacrifice for all of my sins when he had done nothing wrong. It's overwhelming to me. And that gift that he has given to me, I have to share. I feel called to share. Um, every day I think about it. When I, when I meet with the parents and I see them in the mornings to get the preschool children to school, I just want them to know they're loved. And it might be through my words or just the way I look at them or the way we interact and finding the beauty in them and finding the gifts that they have is one of my goals through the year is letting them see themselves as Christ sees them, which is perfect in him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is so powerful because that might be 
the the best love they received that day. We don't the know. The only love they received yeah, that day. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, going back a little bit in time, what were the things that attracted you to early childhood education? I have always loved children. Um, I babysat when I was really young, back when they did that. <laughs> you can't <laughs> find babysitters anymore, but I started babysitting when I was probably 11 or 12, and then I was a park supervisor working with children. I don't know, I've just always been drawn to children. I guess their love of life and discovery and their openness, mm -hmm. just their openness is so attractive to me. So how long have you taught in a classroom? I have been, my first position was in 1991. I was a learning disabilities teacher for the Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. And then I taught in the fourth grade classroom and then I took a hiatus for a while while uh, we raised our family. And then I've been back at Trinity Lutheran in one way or the other for over um, eight years. Mm -hmm. So you have a good amount of experience mm -hmm. at this point. Yes. Yep. You talked about your family just a second ago. And uh, I think everyone who's listening to this program is probably well aware of the joys and challenges of parenthood, especially these days. Uh, you have two wonderful kids, Thank you. Uh, Parker and Paige, and I'm just wondering what are some things that you have done as a family to ensure that Christ is the center of your home life? I have not always been the best at making sure Christ is the center of our family. I'll be the first to say that. Um, other things have gotten in the way a lot. Um, and again, that's a constant journey for me on bringing Christ back into the center, bringing us back on track balance-wise. It's difficult. My son is 18 and my daughter will be 13. And we live a, a very busy life with school and sports and all the things that life throws our way. And it's very easy to get off track and put those things in front of Christ. So it's just a matter of me um, remembering what's important. And whenever we have challenges and whenever we have great things that come along, I always acknowledge where that comes from. You know, the gifts are coming from Christ and, and bringing that up. And when they have challenges in their life, to take them to the Lord first. And when, especially with my daughter, it, She'll be 13, and there's a lot of challenges with relationships in school, with girls and, and friendships, and talking those things out with her and, and letting her understand that when children or when the girls speak out uh, with unkind words or actions, you know, where that's coming from, and the way to handle that's to pray for them and to love them through it, um, through Christ. Yeah. I thank you for answering that candidly because I think it's so true. It is a consistent struggle. It is. It is in for us. Any Christian family is to really make that a priority in the home. Even the simple things like praying with your child, uh, making time for a devotion or yes. whatever whatever it is. The world just has a way of of scheduling you out of that. It does. So it's something Absolutely. that the parents really have to take on themselves. And we fail. We I do. Any, anybody would have to, if they're being honest, admit that they don't do what they could or should. But that's also then the first step in setting the tone in the, in the home 
is to say, look, you know, we're all sinners who make mistakes and need forgiveness in order for that to work, but then that frees us up to do the right things. Yeah, to begin again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's helped me greatly since with technology, technology is a, a challenge in our house, um, cutting down the time that we're on it that separates us from each other. Mm -hmm. But as using it to our advantage as well to find devotions. I know my son does a lot of devotions um, with his phone mm -hmm. and then listening to things on his uh, on his phone, recordings and stuff. And it it's it's a wonderful surprise when I catch him doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Unexpectedly. So right. that's it's also been a blessing, the technology as far as that goes, being able to find things online. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's the the blessing and the curse of technology, it is. really. Absolutely. But that's, you know, in part the a driving force to do a program like this is to fill the gap, you know, if, if there's some voices out there that are, you know, calling to young people to live this or that kind of lifestyle and just let it all hang out. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it, it falls to the church and to Christians uh, who care to, to fill in the gap on the positive side with here's things that you can use as resources and, you know, share with your friends and, and let them know that this is available as exactly. well. Yes. So that's uh, that's great because that's that's my basic devotional routine as well is podcasts and sermons and hearing ideas from different places is really spiritually I think very healthy. Mm -hmm. I do too. I think it's great for the kids to have lots of opportunities because we all respond differently. So some people, you know, reading is how I get a lot of mine. But I think with kids, especially technology is the language that they speak. So mm -hmm. it's perfect yeah. for them. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm just curious as to what are you reading right now? And uh, uh, what, you know, or what would you recommend to somebody gosh. who's looking for, uh, you know, some type of devotional reading that's going to fill them up? You know, when I, it's funny because I knew you were going to ask me a question <laughs> about what I'm reading, and I thought you might ask what my favorite book was. And if you had asked me that, I would have said the one I'm reading right now because it's so true. It's I've I've read so many books. I'm an avid reader, and I don't mm -hmm. know that I could pick one because God gives me what I need at the time. Mm -hmm. um, the book I'm reading right now is called You're Already Amazing, and it the reason it's working for me right now is I'm— and a constant struggle, and I think a lot of moms are struggling to be perfect and to be, you know, a wonderful mother, a wonderful wife, uh, a wonderful worker in her profession, a wonderful friend, a wonderful daughter. Um, to, to be all things to all people, I think, is a constant struggle for moms, and it's a difficult place to be, an impossible place to be. And this book uh, reminds me that I'm already amazing in Christ and Him. He sees me as perfect through Him. And I don't have to be perfect to everyone. And I can just be me, and that's enough. His love is enough for me. And I need to be constantly reminded of that. Yeah, it's a really crucial thing to catch. And I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, that's where the gospel really, if we yes. crack it open and really see what's there, it gives us that permission to be who we are mm -hmm. 
and to realize that at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what Jesus thinks about me. Yes, he's the only opinion that matters. Yeah. But it's very hard to drown out all of the other voices. Yeah, in the moment, if in the that's moment, hard it is. to deal with sometimes. Uh, but I think that gives, that gives somebody, especially like you, who's called into ministry. Uh, there's all kinds of voices and all kinds of our own voices mm -hmm. that we entertain thoughts about. But even for us, at the end of the day, our approval comes from Christ and his mm -hmm. cross and his risen life. And so all the other voices are out there. They may have a point on this or that issue, but but what really matters is the esteem that we draw from Christ's love for us. Mm -hmm. And I found that it, that one idea is more and more important in everything that I do as a pastor across all platforms, whether it's a chapel with preschoolers or visiting people in the nursing home and every point in between is to really understand that Jesus' death on the cross, it, it's good in the sense, of course, that it, it, it takes care of the problem of your sins, mm -hmm. but it's not just a transaction, it's a display of how deeply you're loved. And if you can believe that, then you have a, a buoyancy for everything else that life throws at you, you know, you Yes, that's a great way to describe it, the buoyancy, because yeah. the waves are going to come mm -hmm. and the storms are going to come, but when you know you're loved and you're encapsulated, if you will, in that love, you can get through those storms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's really, really crucial, and I just, I, I pray that as, especially in the way we treat people, you brought that up in the way that you you interact with your mm -hmm. students, you're trying to show them Christ through the unconditional love you show them. And so we have to speak the gospel, but we also have to show it in the way that we interact. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Um, now, if, if you don't want to go there, we can edit this out in post-production. <laughs> okay. It's not a problem. But a lot of times there are difficulties and, and, and challenges in being called to ministry in the congregational and community setting where you grew up. I mean, even Jesus came along and said, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say that. That's funny. So, um, you know, as, mu as far mm -hmm. out on the clothesline as you want to yeah. go with that, what, are, what have been some of the challenges? How have you dealt with those? And um, on the flip side of that, what advantages are there? Because mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some. There are. It's funny, I guess that's, it's been such a journey serving Christ in this way, in the church, in the church I grew up in, because there is that factor, um, what does she know? She just, you know, who does she think she is? She thinks she's better, she has her own agenda. We're all human, and, you know, you get some of that in the church, and when you go somewhere else, uh, people have a tendency to listen because they don't have that familiarity with you and that's okay and I it took a while for me to get past that because I felt and I sometimes still feel uh, that my voice isn't being heard within the church that I serve where if I go somewhere else everyone wants to hear what I have to say yeah, hanging on every word <laughs> yes it's yeah. so interesting but that's part of Christ molding me 
and working with me and teaching me how to be humble. And it's not about me. <laughs> and I have learned that it isn't about me. I'm trying. My job is to let them see him through me. I am but the vessel. So I have learned humility through that and to learn to listen more and to speak less. And that's a journey that I'm still on, but I've come a long, long way with that. Um, the flip side, the blessings of serving my congregation is that I have a lot of friends and family in the area and speaking to the preschool in particular, um, bringing the children here has not been difficult to get families to bring their families because they do know me and I've worked in the schools and coaching. So I kind of had that foundation set because they knew me from before. It's the so. built-in network. Exactly. There. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I think through my study of the Gospel of John in particular, what really has come to the forefront is the, the fact, biblically, that Jesus himself did not have what we would call a 100% success rate in ministry. Not at all. No. <laughs> no. I mean, you no. get to the six, just the sixth chapter of John, and he gets done preaching, and it, Scripture says, at that point, many people left him because they found his teachings were too hard, yes. too difficult to understand or accept. And even within, of course, his own circle, he had a, a betrayer yes. and others who didn't understand. Even after he rose from the dead, you know, they're, they're gathered on the mountaintop and he's going to ascend. And I think it's Luke who says, some of the disciples were asking, well, now is he going to restore Israel <laughs> to <laughs> its former glory? Yes. I mean, it's, it's just yes. amazing. But it's also, it, what it can do is, as you use the word humility, it can really reset our expectations as those who minister in Christ's name that he, people turned away from him mm -hmm. when he was there. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, if that capability exists, then they're going to do the same thing to us and probably, <laughs> probably much worse. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, it, if we understand that part of the, the peculiar calling of the worker in the church is to live a Christ-like life, yes. which includes suffering things that we didn't ask for, and we didn't do anything <laughs> to receive that, yes. but that's, that's part of the deal, and uh, recognizing that when it happens, um, again, going back to that source center of Christ loves me, and I know there are people who, whose opinion I dearly value who love me and affirm me. And taking that personal worship time and then moving back out into the world. Not always in strength, but more with more strength than you had before. But you, we have to make time to fill up. Or you're going to hit the wall. You're going to get caught up in the frustrations and just... Yeah, then that's when you're tempted to despair and just walk away. You're right. And you have experienced some of those specific times with me. Um, one being recently this summer with, with the youth group. I had a moment where I was, uh, to use the word devastated, would probably be <laughs> the most accurate mm -hmm. uh, um, on what I thought was working well in our ministry and then what someone else, someone else's perception of it mm -hmm. was so dramatically different, and, and it was devastating to me. And it, and it took a while, and you and I talked, and, you know, you just have to take a breath 
and step back out of it because when you're in the moment it's it's very um very difficult to climb up out of that hole so to speak and to remember i am loved i am i am beautifully loved and perfectly loved but at the moment that's where you call on your prayer warriors and your other friends in the ministry mm-hmm. to let you recognize it for what it is and it's just a statement with nothing attached to it right but i think that's the key is to and i'm not good at this i'm still not good at this yet mm-hmm. is taking the time to heal to let him heal your wounds your battle wounds <laughs> mm-hmm. because we are battling when you're in the ministry you're battling every day uh, with yourself and with the outside world to to have that light shining when I, when so many things are trying to blow it out but to stay to step back and refuel so to speak yeah yeah and it's uh you know one of the seemingly unfair elements of that is that you know you can't respond the way you'd like to respond. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. Because there's a double standard there, you know, that does exist, that people feel like they can just pop off and, and say what's on their mind. But then if you were to meet that energy, then it would be, oh, you know, the youth director went off on me, or the pastor was mean to me. Mm-hmm. Pastors aren't supposed to be mean. You know, and so that's, a, that's an expectation we have to deal with as well is um, when do we speak the truth in love but speak the truth you know uh, that it, it's never easy in that moment i think that's do. very difficult and i think the thing is is you mentioned it before you have to step back and you have to step out of it so you can uh, and then take a few days no matter what the situation take a couple days to cool off and and pray about it and then come back to it when you're in a different state of emotion, that you can speak the truth in love and explain how the incident made you feel, no matter what that is, but you can do it from a different uh, place at that time emotionally. You can be calm and clear-headed instead of speaking through anger or hurt Mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the challenges. Mm -hmm. And I, I, part of me really does hope that those who are listening to this really see that there are significant challenges in ministry that um, there's a lot of outer pressure and a lot of inner pressure that church workers place on themselves uh, to to be perfect. Yes, definitely. And, um, you know, what that what that makes me really think about is just this idea that um, Again, the gospel allows me to serve as best as I can, mm-hmm. and then he takes care of the rest. He right. fills in what we're unable to do. So there's that. But the other thing that I did want to, to touch on as well is um, the joys. <laughs> what have been the greatest joys for you serving Christ in his church? Mm, there's been so many. Every day that I've been here has been a blessing to me in one way or the other. Um, God has worked through the preschool ministry to bring so many children um, to the holy waters of baptism, and not just the children, but also their parents and grandparents. And when I think back um, on the life of the ministry and the years that we've been here, those stand out to me mm-hmm. as some of the greatest uh, blessings in my life to, to sit in the 
front pew when, when you're baptizing these children and these families who didn't know Christ before and are welcoming those gifts that he's given us so freely. And just the, the honor of every day coming into work and sharing Christ. I just, I can't imagine not being able to do that. And every time I share him, he fills me up. So by teaching that, he, he just, he fills me up and he gives me the gift of patience which I had never known to the degree that he fills me with patience and joy. And he slows me down. Um, it's hard for him. <laughs> it's very yeah. hard because uh, I just want to, I'm a hamster on a wheel most of the time. But he is always whispering, daughter, slow down and listen. You know, just slow down because some of the greatest joys are not rushing through the day, but just taking a minute to listen to the kids talk about God the Father and how much they love Him. And one of my favorite things is no matter what question you ask the children, I could be saying, where does milk come from? It comes from God. I was going for yeah. cow. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it all comes back to yeah. God to them. That's their answer, and you've heard them say yes. that so much. And it's such such a joy to hear that from them. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting sometimes that, and I'm not saying this about you, I'm just saying this in general, adults kind of hear children speak that way and they say oh how cute and then they proceed to try and talk them out of you know the fact <sighs> that it's not really god it's the you know it's this or that and when in fact it is god they've got it right they understand that at a deep level and it's almost like we talk them out of it mm-hmm. the older they get I think and so, so then we're trying to get back to that yes. phase in our lives where it is all about god every Every word of our story is God. It's Him. And it's just so refreshing, really, to hear children attribute those things to Him because they are right. I understand what He said when He said you have to be like a little child. And that's exactly what He means. Mm -hmm. All roads lead back to Him Mm -hmm. through these little children. And the other blessing in serving here, um, no doubt, has been our servant events with the youth group. Mm -hmm. I haven't touched much on the youth group, but they have been an amazing blessing and source of strength in my life. Uh, we, we traveled to New Jersey a couple summers ago to serve after Hurricane Sandy hit, and the the obstacles God placed in our path throughout that week that made us draw closer to Him and to each other and to experience just a little bit of uncomfortableness uh, like these families have gone through. He put us where we needed to be emotionally that we could connect with those families that have suffered such hardship through those storms and to be able to serve asking nothing in return and watching those kids grow over the last four years and their servant's heart and their attitude has just been amazing, an amazing experience. So you would say that those events definitely move them along a certain path of growth? I think it's completely changed who they are and their relationship, not only with Christ, but with the people they serve. They look for opportunities to serve instead of being served, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. That's what it's really about is, you know, grabbing onto that element of our Mm -hmm. lives with Christ. And, you know, you and I have talked about that for a long, long time together. It's so sad that people don't take the opportunity to, because it's it's a gift. 
but some people may view it through the lens of work or, you know, I don't have enough time and none of us have enough time. But if you were to make the time, I encourage any of the listeners, if they have an opportunity to serve in any way, uh, to do it because it'll be such a blessing to you. You always go thinking that you're going to be so impactful in these people's lives, but <laughs> in reality, they're the ones that, that impact you and you're the one that comes back blessed mm-hmm. from serving. Yeah. Yeah, that is true across the board in any type of of service situation. It, it just is consistently true. It is, no matter what. Yeah. Well, Aaron, one last question, and this is just trying to put yourself in the situation where somebody may be listening today who is looking for hope, looking for just the, the, the tools or the drive, something they need what God can provide. What, if they came to you and say, Aaron, I need your help, How, you know, help me find what I need, what would you say to them? The first thing I would say to them is uh, that God loves them right where they are, right where they are, as broken and as flawed as they view themselves. When God sees them, they're perfect. In him, And then I would pray with them and I would encourage them. And what's helped me so much through my many struggles in the ministry, my continuing struggles in the ministry to serve him is to spend time with him because he wants to help you. He's there for you. We just simply don't ask for his help. We try to do it every other way, but just asking him. So just fold your hands and ask for him to come into your life and show you his love, because he will. Yeah, that is just absolutely wonderful words of advice and gained through the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And I, I just find myself really relating to what you just said, especially the part of asking for his help because he wants to help and he will. But he wants us he's to just ask. Waiting. Yeah. He's just waiting for you to ask. Yeah. He won't I, force himself on you. No, and I can uh, even sim- seemingly minuscule things I can think of just in the last two weeks, where I prayed for God's assistance, mm-hmm. and He's totally come through. And it just seems like how many times does He have to do that for me before the default setting just becomes trust? It should just be automatic. Yeah. For us, but mm-hmm. it's still not. Not yeah. even with me. I have to remember to ask. Mm-hmm. I stress and get panicked and get worked up, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute, just ask." Mm-hmm. And it's really that simple. All right. Well, thank you for listening today. If you'd like to contact us at Voices of Faith, please write us at faithpodcast at outlook dot com. Again, that's faith podcast at Outlook.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any guests that you'd like to communicate with or recommend a guest to the program, please do so uh, through those means. Once again, I'd like to say thank you to Aaron Webb for joining us today. Uh, You are a shining example of faithfulness in my life and in the life of this congregation and community. And I um, definitely have grown in my relationship to you as we've, you know, tried to 
do our very best to, to bring the gospel to this particular corner of Muskingum County. So, last but not least, uh, we'll close with these words.